You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 377, What Do Christians Believe? We could also title this, What Does the Church Believe? Or, What Are the Basic Tenets of Christian Doctrine? Because that's what I want to talk about in this episode. You know, it's we live in a day when there's a lot of controversy. People seem surprised, and I'm talking about non-Christians, at, at what Christians actually believe. But you know, Orthodox Christianity really hasn't changed doctrinally in about 2,000 years. And that trace that right back to the time of Jesus and then the apostles. So I want to maybe clear up some misunderstanding. I want to give you some basic thoughts on what Christians believe and have some discussions around that. Um, you know, one question we can ask is, are there more are there some things that are more important? than others. And that's that's a great question because there are, are obviously differing degrees of importance in, in what we believe. Um, and is it really even important what we believe? If you were to ask different Christians uh, what their answer was, you'd probably receive a bunch of different answers depending on their church background. Uh, for, for example, and this is a really good one, uh, one Christian might believe that baptism is an integral part of becoming a believer. There are some denominations, the Church of Christ, um, the Catholics put high premium on baptism. And for other Christians, um, and I'd say more evangelical Christians, uh, maybe independent Christians from the Spirit-filled background or whatever, they would say baptism is important but not essential to salvation. So you can see there, even you know, even in, in just that first thing, that there's um, some controversy. And um, do we baptize children or do we not baptize children? Is that important? Um, so um, you know, that's one I'm going to leave for another day. But I am going to point out a few of the really important elements of our faith. Um, this type of discussion naturally lends itself to debate, and there's going to be people who take exception with me. On certain points, that's great. Um, this process of respectful and even sometimes not so respectful give and take is how the church's theology has developed and was developed um, in its early days. There were some heated discussions. If you've never studied church history, I encourage you to do that. There's some great readable volumes out there on church history that are really worth looking at as, as they hammered out the essentials of what Christian doctrine really were. The first one, the first one that we'll talk about is the idea that Jesus is central to Christianity. The centrality of Jesus to Christianity. Christians understand that Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, fully God, fully man, 
um, is central to everything that is taught in the church. Christians believe in both the deity and the humanity of Jesus. And there are many different passages of Scripture that teach these truths, but we'll, we'll just look at one. This is from John chapter 1, and it says this, In the beginning was the Word. And we find out later that we know that John is referring to Jesus as the Word. And he's also making reference here to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But here John is alluding to that when he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So that was John verses chapters uh, 1 verse one to 4 and then verse 14. So Christianity teaches that Jesus lived a sinless life among a specific nation at a specific time, preaching God's kingdom, performing miracles, and setting people free. Now, this is important because how many times have you heard a story that said, once upon a time? Uh, Christianity is very different because it's anchored in a specific time. In fact, if you read Luke, um, he actually tells you who was in charge at the time, who the governors were, who the regional directors were, who the emperor was. He, he anchors it to a specific historical time frame. It wasn't once upon a time. It was, no, Jesus lived in a specific time in a specific nation, and uh, he preached the kingdom of God, he performed miracles, he healed people, and he set them free. Historical sources confirm the scriptural teaching that Jesus died at the hands of the Romans. This isn't just in the Bible. This is actually in historical text from the time. Uh, there's, there's many references to Jesus in the historical text of the times that, that weren't, these weren't Christians. These weren't people uh, you know, defending Christianity. It was just they, they mentioned in passing um, you know, this, this Jewish guy who was crucified at the hands of the Romans. So even though we have historical sources that confirm it, it is the Bible that interprets why he died. His death was a substitutionary sacrifice for the sins of mankind. That's the reason that it happened. Jesus said this about his upcoming crucifixion, for even the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus himself saw his life. It wasn't a misunderstanding. He wasn't put to death as um, you know, a failed revolutionary. He wasn't put to death as just a, a criminal, even though the Romans would have seen him that way. He saw his death as a substitutionary death. He gave his life as a ransom for many. But when we're talking about the centrality of Jesus, we have to come back to this. Um, the New Testament teaches us not only that Jesus died, but he was physically resurrected on the third day. This is probably the single most important thing that Christians believe. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, he was just another failed Messiah. And this really hits at the heart of everything Christians believe. Paul even said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead... We of all men are most to be pitied. Isn't this fascinating? Because 
people don't rise from the dead. I mean, when you're dead, you're dead. It's permanent. It's, it's, a, it's a done deal. And yet, God raised Jesus from the dead with a new kind of body to never die again. If Jesus rose from the dead, and this says this in Romans 1, he has been declared to be the Son of God with power through the resurrection of the dead. And so he's been confirmed as Lord through his resurrection of the dead. The resurrection is what has provided hope for Christians through the centuries. The fact that Jesus is still alive provides us with the hope that we will be resurrected one day as well. Obviously, there's many more things we could say about Jesus and him or, you know, all the, the mysteries and the wisdom of the Godhead. But, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just let it suffice for that and move on to the next one. And the next one, what do Christians really believe? Well, we believe the Bible. Christians believe in the inspiration and the authority of the Scriptures. It's the foundation of all Christian doctrine, but it's also one of the primary ways in which God speaks to us. While there's going to be differences of, of opinion on how to interpret different passages, I get that. Christians understand that the Scriptures provide the church with standards to live by and spiritual nourishment. It's not essential that Christians believe the Bible in the same way. Clearly, that's not going to happen. I mean, there are you, you get into the book of Revelation, there are so many different ways to look at that. There are so many different ways to look at, at, at some of the other passages. Although I do believe that there is a clear truth in most of the passages of the Scripture. And um, I believe we can find that truth. And it's not your truth and my truth and His truth. You know, I believe there, there's one truth. But there are different applications. There are different ways that we can apply it in our lives. And that's the Holy Spirit working through the Scriptures, helping us to apply His Word. Um, the fact that there are many different denominations make it clear that there are going to be differences of opinion until Jesus returns. I mean, that's fine. That, that's, that's just the way it is. But Christians across the board tend to agree on the important doctrinal issues that are found in the pages of the Bible. You can look at churches that are very different in the way they worship. There, you can look at churches that are very different in the way they express their faith. But if they're a, a, a true church across the board, denominationally, whether it's Presbyterian, Lutheran, Lutheran, Methodist, Baptist, even the Catholics to some degree, we're all going to agree on the main doctrinal issues. Um, and these are found in the pages of Scripture. Now, when we talk about inspiration of Scripture, we're not just talking about their inspiring in the sense that you're reading Plato or you know some ancient philosopher. No, no, we believe that it was inspired. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3 that all Scripture is God-breathed. That's what that, 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 that verse means, what that inspiration means. And so the Holy Spirit inspired the Scriptures so that we can take them and apply them in our lives. What's fascinating about the Bible is God used men, and He used them just as they were. He didn't override their education. Um, he didn't override their limited language skills if they were writing in a language that wasn't their first language. Um, for example, the Gospel of Mark. Uh, very obviously, Greek was not his first language, and yet it is. it was the first gospel that was written. Um, when you look at Luke, 
who wrote the Gospel of Luke and then the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. We see the most polished Greek, the most educated Greek, the guy with the biggest vocabulary in the New Testament. And yet God took both of these men, Mark and Luke, and used them to write books that became part of our Bible. Don't go away. We will be right back. I wanted to let you know this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Peter and Paul in Acts. This was my first book, and it was based on my doctoral dissertation on the Acts of the Apostles. It's a great guidebook. It's a great handbook to have while you're reading this exciting book. The Acts of the Apostles is really one of the most exciting books in the New Testament. It covers the first 30 years of the church and how the church grew into a movement of of a handful of people um, who were being thrown to the lions and persecuted for their faith, how it went from just a handful of people, so to speak, to to becoming a movement that that really shook the world and took over in so many ways and became a a world-influencing movement. So check out Peter and Paul in Acts. Click on the link. You can read the first bit on Amazon for free. It'll give you an idea, but by all means, click on the link. I know you'd love to have a copy on your shelf and use it while you're reading through um, the Acts of the Apostles. It's great um, as a study guide for you or for your small group. Well, all right, we're back. We've talked about the centrality of Jesus to Christianity, the importance of the Bible, and why Christians um, place such a high premium on on the scriptures and their love for the scriptures. But then we also need to understand uh, a third thing that the Christians believe is the need for salvation. We believe in the need for salvation. The opposite of this is universalism. Christians are not universalist in any way. And universalism means that everybody will be saved. It doesn't matter what you believe. You can be a part of another world religion. You can believe anything you want to believe, but ultimately it all leads to God. Remember we talked earlier about having multiple truths. Well, there's one truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this this really is one of those things where many, many people get angry at the church And they seem surprised that Christians believe this. But the fact of the matter is Christians have believed this since the very beginning. Um, For 2,000 years, this has been what the church has taught. There is no way. Paul said in, uh, excuse me, Peter said in Acts 4, he said, there is no other name, he's talking about the name of Jesus, it had just been mentioned, he said, there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And... So whether you like it or not, this is what Christians believe. We believe the only way to God is through Jesus. We don't believe that all roads or all religions lead to God. Um, Christianity, the Bible teaches very clearly, the New Testament teaches, that uh, there's a spiritually, the, the, the spiritually lost condition of all people. And you can trace this all the way back to the beginning when Adam and Eve made their choice. And this this spiritually lost condition of all people and the essential need for the new birth that's found by faith in Jesus. We talked about the the fact that Jesus himself saw his death as a substitutionary death. He gave himself as a ransom for many. And so through his, his substitutionary death, we can have faith in Jesus 
And, and we believe, traditional Christianity believes that mankind is separated from God because of sin. And Jesus' death provided a way back to God. Um, there are not many ways to God. And I get it. Some people don't like that. That's uncomfortable. It makes Christians sound like they're dogmatic and mean. And I, I don't look at it like that. I'm thankful there's a way to God. You may not like it, but there is a way to God. And, it, you know, it's that thing, do you want to trust your way to God? Are you willing to, to gamble and roll the dice and gamble your soul away because of your chosen way to get to God? Tough questions. That's why we have discussions. That's why we talk about it. But ultimately, remember what Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then the last thing I want to talk about, the last thing, we're talking about what's what do Christians believe? What, what, what are the essentials of the Christian faith? And there are probably many more things we could talk about, but I think these four kind of really in a nutshell encapsulate what Christians believe. The last one is the importance of the church. The importance of the church. God created us people, his people, to live in community with each other. You know, one of the first things God says in the, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament, in Genesis, after he's created the world, after he said, let there be, and let there be, and let there be, one of the first things he said is, is after he made man, uh, didn't have a mate yet, he, he'd made man, he was by himself, and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. And we think in context of, well, right, so he made Eve and he had a wife, but it's more than that. God created us to live in community, to live with each other, and that's the importance of the church. And I understand, you know, many people, when they, they think about the church, maybe their own experience, they, they get a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth. I understand that. We've all been there. Um, you know what? I've had bad experiences at restaurants, but I still eat. Um, it just, it, it is what it is. If, if you've you're in a church or you've been to a church you didn't like, go find another one. There are so many great churches out there that are doing so much good work in their communities and providing a great place for the people to, to find life and, and meaningful and deep relationships. Um, I just can't stress enough the importance of the church. Paul uses this language to describe the church. He calls it the body of Christ. In other words, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, you know, we're also called to live like Jesus. As the church, we don't get saved. We don't, we don't earn our salvation by how we live. But once we, we come to Christ, once our lives are, are united with Him, we live in such a way that we reflect Jesus. The church should be living as the body of Christ. We're His hands. We're His feet. We should be doing the same things that He did. The church is central to everything God is doing on the earth today. He's not here except through his people. The, the church has become the temple, the, the body of Christ. We, we have his presence living inside of us. So we we're, should be fleshing out what God wants to do on the earth. Um, there is still no greater way to reach a community than a good, healthy, local church. Um, I believe in different kinds of ministries. But those that are founded or connected with a local church seem to have much more um, of an impact in their communities. The church father, Augustine, 
uh, one of the great church fathers of all, all the time. Maybe you've heard of his book, Augustine's Confessions. Fabulous book, an absolute classic. But he said this, If God is my father, the church is my mother. If God is my father, the church is my mother. Now, the reason I think this is important is because I've run into many Christians who don't see the importance of the local church. For them, it's just them and Jesus. They're, they're, they're good by themselves. They don't need anything else. They'll watch church on TV or they'll watch some evangelist on Christian TV and they think that's enough. The problem is all that does is make you weird. It, it really does. It just makes people weird because there's no connection with other people. And God created us to live in community. That's the whole... Remember we talked about um, the, the, the book of Acts and, and I mentioned my, my book, Peter and Paul and Acts, um, is, is the resource highlight. Look, the whole purpose of the book of the Acts of the Apostles is to show the growth of the church, and you see the church together, connected, eating together, praying together, worshiping together, um, you know, encouraging each other when things were tough. I mean, it's a powerful, powerful picture that we see in Acts. So Augustine, when he said that if God is my father, the church is my mother, what he understood was that for someone to say they were a Christian but not part of the church that was, a con that was contrary to biblical understanding of what it meant to be a follower of Christ. So if you're not in church, I encourage you to get in one. Get into a small group. Build godly, healthy relationships. And if you go to church and, and it doesn't work out, go find another one. And if you don't like that one, go find another one. I mean, I live in the city of Atlanta in the southeast. And there are so many great churches in this city. I tell people all the time, if you can't find a good church in Atlanta, it's you. Um, because there is a church here for everyone, and I guess there's so many cities in America that are like that. So I encourage you to look, to find a great place where you can come together. Now look, there are so many other theological elements that we could talk about, um, but Christianity really can't be confined to a set or a list of doctrinal beliefs or rules. Ultimately, it's about having a relationship with God and then having a relationship with His people. And so um, I would encourage you to take these, these things to heart. Just a quick recap. We talked about the centrality of Jesus to Christianity, the importance of the Bible, the need for salvation, and then the importance of the church. And I'd love to hear from you. Can you think of any other absolute essentials to Christian theology? If you were doing this podcast, what would you add to the four that I've put on here? I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com. Leave a question or a comment in the comment section for today's post so that we can stay in touch. Make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter, too. It's always great to, to have interaction. I send out some new, news, newsletters periodically. I'll be sending one out here soon. I'm getting ready for an international trip. I'd love to have you pray in with me. So, um, so sign up so you can uh, participate in that and, and hear from me. Um, well, friends, thanks for being with me. And I will see you next week on Leading and Learning.